I've seen Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and it was all right, I guess. Hey, what's up? My name is Hilton Price, and I'm an OK Geek. Thank you guys so much for coming back for episode four. It's been a week, but I have finally seen the latest Ant-Man movie, and I'm going to give my review. Uh, that's what we're going to do this episode. We're also going to touch on a couple of comic series uh, a little later on, uh, just so that it's not just one topic this episode. But uh, I did want to dedicate a little bit of time to this movie uh, for a number of reasons, uh, and the least of which being that I said I was going to last week. And last week I said, hopefully in a day or two. A day or two did not happen. And and honestly, the fact that I'm even seeing it when it's only been out like a week and a half to two weeks or whatever it is at this point is, is pretty impressive for me. If you know me, I've never been one that rushes to a theater, that rushes to see something. Uh, I, I am often the guy playing, seeing, reading things uh, days, months, years uh, after it comes out. Heck, just a couple episodes ago, we talked about Mass Effect 2 and how I finally came to that way later uh, than its heyday for sure. Ant-Man and the Watch Quantumania. Let's start off with a spoiler-free review. We're going to give it about five minutes, uh, so uh, come back in about five minutes and we will have get into the spoilers of Ant-Man and the Watch Quantumania. So spoiler-free review starts now. Uh, short answer is, I liked it. But I didn't feel it did anything uh, that impressive, unique, or new. It was a solid film with a solid script that told a rollicking adventure story. The cast was used well, if not some to a slightly lesser degree than I would have hoped. Uh, I'm looking at you, Hope Van Dyne. Um, the cast did well. Uh, Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly, uh, excellent uh, in their returning roles as Ant-Man and the Wasp. Catherine Newton uh, filling out that trilogy, or, or trio, excuse me, as Cassie Lang, Scott's daughter. Um, fun dynamic between the three of them. Uh, great job from all three actors. And then, of course, the elder generation bringing in Michael Douglas uh, and Michelle Pfeiffer back from the second film. Uh, great as well. Uh, those two, it, it, that's the, that reminds me of Sally Field and, um, Kirk, not Kirk Douglas, um, um, uh, Martin Sheen as, uh, May and, and Ben in Amazing Spider-Man. It's just greats being great. You know, you just watch them on screen and you're happy to see them. So, so Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer can do little wrong. The characters in the script, it, it was fine. The, the thing that I, I kept getting a very strong sense of been there, done that. And, and, and I think it's just because I've seen so many movies, not just superhero films, but so many movies where the adventure is kicked off in a way similar to how the adventure is kicked off here. Uh, I've seen so many movies where the world building is done in such a very similar way to the way it is done here. I've seen so many movies where the threat is built up in a way uh, so similar to what is done here. So as I was telling someone recently, if you haven't seen the movies that I have, and, and this is the first time you're seeing some of these tropes, this is very, very good. This is good stuff. It's a good adventure, unique worlds, unique characters, not a ton of true motivation really explained for the characters. These aren't deep characters, but each one is given your standard one or two um you know, uh, personality traits that everything is going to be hung on. Um, 
And that's fine. That's fine. So for someone like me who's seen a lot of these things before, it was a little flat. Uh, but that's just a, that's just the problem that you know there were thirty some odd movies or whatever into this this project, and and I there's repeating beats. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, some of the more of the cast, uh, Bill Murray was a a, a surprise and a, a fairly largely billed member of the cast. Um, that was an interesting role too, not to get too metatextual on this, but because of some of his recent issues um, in the news, his character kind of comes off a little too on the nose, uh, frankly. I was a little uh, a little cringy. Uh, standout of the cast uh, is Jonathan Majors uh, in the villain role. Uh, really does a great job, not only making you sense his his threatening, uh, how threatening he is, but also a real strong sense of inevitability that we also saw in Marvel's last big bad, uh, Thanos, and Josh Brolin in that role. This is good to see. Uh, There was a lot that was set up here that I think will be good going forward. Um, Beyond that cast, it's a lot of forgettable people. They try to set up um, a group of secondary characters in a fashion, again, very similar to stuff we've seen in other films, other movies where heroes go to another place and have to kind of establish themselves. We see all of this there, too. So the rest of the cast, largely forgettable, um, unless this is all brand new to you. Then hopefully there'll be something you can hang on to. I, I can really see where where kids and teens may get a little bit more out of this just because they have not seen as much media as, as older people maybe i you know i don't know i might be reaching um overall it is a good movie it is not a great movie in my opinion uh it is just it is very much popcorn uh special effects there was some struggling special effects for sure uh we're seeing a little bit of these cutting corners on the budget issues that we've seen in a lot of the past few marvel projects uh, a little bit too much green screen a little bit too much obvious green screen uh, and not just because it's a fantastic world that could never exist, but just that juxtaposition of the real world actors against the fictional backgrounds, or excuse me, the computer generated backgrounds. It, it, it shows. Uh, the, you can see the strings. The puppetry is, in, uh, is, is visible. I think that's all I have to say for my non-spoiler review. Thank you guys uh, so much. Uh, uh, if you stuck around for that, um, I can't say for sure how long the spoilers are going to get. I, if I post this on social media, I'll try to maybe mention that if you want to come back for the comic reviews, uh, if not, I'll see you after you see the movie or, uh, next week. Uh, and now we're going to get into the spoiler reviews for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Thanks so much for sticking with me. Uh, guys, this was a very interesting movie in terms of the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what they did with Kang and getting him set up to be the big bad going forward was very interesting. Uh, they did a pretty good job uh, having Ant-Man kind of have to find his heroism again. He's been he, You start the film with him kind of sitting on his ass, just kind of being very lackadaisical about life being very self-congratulatory, uh, and then he, he has to kind of become a hero again. And, and part of that is Cassie, uh, and Cassie is great. Like I said, uh, uh, the actress, uh, uh, she does a, a fantastic job with it, Catherine Newton. Um, but it is definitely feels like every single director got a memo from Marvel corporate that was like, build up your youthful hero. Because once again, we're seeing the youthful hero built up very quickly, uh, you know, they're doing a lot of gaining them their 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 sta- status 
off screen. So they're already either smart or talented or capable or skilled or have a suit in this case. Um, you know, for a dad who's supposed to be trying so hard to be part of his daughter's life, there's so little that Paul Rudd, uh, his Scott Lang knows about uh, Cassie's life. So, you know, there's plot holes there. And just like with the green screen that I talked about earlier, these are things that if you really want to nitpick and, and, and your immersion breaks easy, it's going to pull you out. So this is the stuff that the people that have been complaining about Marvel movies for, you know, five or six films now, they're going to continue to rip on this because it's falling in the same pitfalls of these um, uh, very quickly uh, leveled up characters, of these poor attention to details in the special effects. Um you are going to have uh, another round of uh, very convenient circumstances so that the heroes can escape unscathed. Uh, the stakes are incredibly low in this. Um, for a movie that is supposed to be introducing uh, this big threat, there's a scene where he's showing off some power that, of course, is never used again, uh, and he's threatening, um, but it didn't really... It, it, it once you pulled back, there was never it was never applied again. He was never shown as being that threatening after a scene early on where he's physically threatening Cassie um, uh, to force Scott to do what he wants. I'm talking about Kang, of course. Uh, but later, he's not using his powers in the same way, so he it's not. And and they 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 kind of deftly step around it to where like his suit is damaged or whatever, or he's out of like he's not close contact, you know. But it, it definitely. Uh, everybody makes it out alive, you know, except for characters you met just 30 minutes ago and don't really care about. Um, you know, that's the thing is, is if there was a, another 30 minutes to really build this world, I would have really enjoyed learning more about the characters in this world, but I don't feel like they would have gotten that right. I feel like they would have instead, um, just, I would have just been bored for 30 more minutes. And I was kind of bored about halfway through. I was kind of bored and was kind of ready for things to move on. And, and it, it, it ended just in time to where I, I wasn't too tired of it. Um, and there was, you know, a bit of a, a fake out, uh, you know, the, the, the end to get to a true final battle. There's a bit of a fake out. That's it. The, the beats were so obvious in, in many cases, that I could just see where this is going to get ripped to shreds. And and the low Rotten Tomato score it already has, it, it, I totally get it. This is definitely not Marvel's best, and it's falling, like I said, in the same pitfalls that it's fallen in time and time again. Um, and then, you know, there's things that it, it kind of does a little bit of character assassination to Scott. Um, and I know he was never meant to be like the Captain America Boy Scout hero, but... There's, there's a little bit of a laziness to him in this movie that I just wasn't really happy to see. Uh, so I'm glad that he was kind of embracing his heroism a bit more towards the end. <clears throat> but, you know, it was also the kind of setup to where there was a lot of people thinking he was going to die in this one. And, and it would not have been the end of the world to kill him, uh, to have him be a sacrifice. Honestly, some kind of sacrifice was really needed. We needed to lose somebody in this movie. Uh, having losing Scott or Hope or um, Hank or Janet, which would have been a solid choice as well. Like, you know, at one point I really thought we were going to lose Hank. Uh, before I went in, I really thought we were going to lose Scott. And then honestly, I could see moments where we would have lost Janet as well. And and all of those would have been good choices to add a little bit of gravitas and and, and threat to level to, to Kang. And not, not that I want characters to die. I just, again, there was not really any sense of stakes for something that was about this ultimate menace to the universe 
we've really got told what a menace he was. We didn't really get shown. And and it's just it you can't judge a movie by what you want it to be, but this definitely made some missteps where it it played it too safe uh, at at the story's sacrifice. Uh, the story could have been better if they would have uh taken some chances, had some true consequences, had some peril, had some risk. You know, these are things that would have definitely made this movie a much richer experience. Um, besides that, there was a lot to love in some of the unique turns. Uh, Hank, uh, Hank has a great moment with his aunts uh, that I was really glad to see. Uh, stuff that could have been tossed in the cutting room floor to a certain extent, but I really liked what they included. Um, and it led to some good moments with him. Uh, Janet, a little bit of character assassination, I got to say, because she very much comes off as someone who hid some important stuff that really would have, you know, changed a lot. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of a, and I don't know that it would have needed to be this, you know, I feel like we could have had scenes where Janet was having meetings with the Avengers and she'd been telling them about Kang and they were prepping, but there was really nothing that they could do right now. So they were just kind of like occasionally talking about it, you know, and then, and then maybe still Cassie is doing experiments, even though she shouldn't be, you know, maybe add a little bit more of a rebellious nature to her. I just don't think they had to make it to where Janet, uh, had never said anything about him. You could have changed that, but again, can't judge about what it's not. I just would have liked to have seen more risk-taking opportunities. And one thing that it's it's got to be a hard thing to decide whether to say that something happened off screen so that you can have changes happen without, you know, counteracting things that happened in previous films or having a character do like Janet did and just, you know, oh, I have more than I never told you, which is uh, just... I don't know. It's just for someone who's supposed to be smart, it's not a smart thing. Um, all right. Let's talk about the giant ahead in the room, uh, MODOK. Um, knowing that we were going to get MODOK in this movie was um, very um, risky. You know, on one hand, we knew that we were at a time when we can pretty much bring to the screen the characters as they are in comics, and it's almost always okay now, you know? We, when, we, when we do it right and we do it the way it's supposed to be done, it looks good. Red Skull looked great, you know, because they took the time to do it right. Thanos looked great. Um, think of his team, Ebony Maw, Proxima Midnight. Uh, they, they looked fantastic because they took the time to realize these characters right. Uh, and you know what? They even they even tweak some of the designs, and I would I would argue that they still do them well. Arnim Zola in Captain America: The Winter Soldier was a twist on the original design, but I think it worked excellently. Uh, and then they make mistakes as well um, with the Mandarin and the Trevor Slattery character. They made a serious mistake that they were able later, luckily with the Shang Chi, able to fix. Uh, then there was uh, Taskmaster in Black Widow, which I hope they will find a way to repair because the comic tax taskmaster is too cool a character to be denied his own existence in the MCU. Um, but, and this black widow tie in story character of, of um, uh, what's his name's daughter is a cool character in their own right. They don't deserve to be pigeonholed as the taskmaster character. But anyway, uh, 
the reason I'm talking about these kind of butchered or altered characters and, and the idea of doing them comic accurate is because Modoc is both comic accurate and completely not comic accurate almost at the same time. Uh, mask on uh, when he is just fully armored and ready to go. He looks a lot like what you would want Modoc to look like, so they're very close to it. But the story behind him is now tied into the first Ant-Man movie in that he is the Darren Cross character, played by Corey Stoll. Uh, and this is a follow-up to how he died in that film. And he has been shrunken so that his body is tiny and his head is large and he was stuffed in the suit by Kang and turned into the mental organism designed only for killing. He starts out okay, um, where he is at least threatening and armed and vengeful, which I like, but then they just keep adding on the humor, um, both in the idea of, int- of of the introductions with everybody, when everybody sees him and has to have a, what? What happened to you, Darren? That kind of moment, which gets old by the third time they do it. And then they, they f- shoehorn in this kind of rebellion arc for him, where he comes to their aid towards the end after Cassie gives him, well, what is honestly, frankly funny, a speech about not being a dick and how they kind of just you relegate this character to just, he's a dick. Uh, so it's, which sucks because that's a funny scene, honestly. And there's a few funny scenes with the character. And when he was threatening, besides the fact that once again, there's no stakes, no, no one gets a scratch on them the entire damn movie. Um, besides that, the, he, he did come off as threatening, you know? So they, they started strong and then lost a lot of the momentum. Uh, so that was sad to see. And by the end, honestly, I was kind of over him. Um, and that's kind of the thing is this movie left me where I honestly don't really care a whole lot. It was a perfectly fine introduction. It was great action. Um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't Thor, the dark world level of bad. Uh, it wasn't eternals level of boring. Um, but I, I can't imagine I'll watch it again anytime soon. You know, if I had a friend who really wanted to see it, just to see some of the special effects again, maybe, uh, to see some of the settings, maybe there's new things I'll pick up on it, you know? So, I, I mean, maybe I would for their sake, but but on my own, I there's so much more Marvel. I would watch Captain Marvel again before turning this on again. Um, I, I, but I do love Captain Marvel. Uh, or, or one of the Iron Mans, even the bad ones, which are good in a hokey-ass way. Um so yeah, I, I if you're a Marvel fan and you're you're watching them all anyway, <clears throat> go. You're you're gonna get exactly what you need. There's enough story here. There's enough development for the characters that you love. There's a few twists and turns. There are two end credit scenes. Uh, the first one is very very cool, and really sets or not very cool. It, it's very promising in that it sets things up very much the way uh, the the first few. Um, uh, post-credit scenes did in, in phase one. So there is that. And then there's another uh, credit scene that ties it into another pro- property in a unique way, which is a little bit of payoff as well uh, and good to see in its own right. So as an MC, if you like action movies and you like special effects movies, you're going to have a perfectly good time. This isn't offensive in any way. It's not bad in any way. It's just, it does nothing that new or original. Uh, luckily, the performances are great all around. Uh, Michael Douglas, um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, fantastic. Jonathan Majors, uh, as we have been seeing again and again and again from him, he is just flawless in everything he does lately. So uh, hat tip to him. Uh, 
Uh, Paul Rudd, Evangeline, J- uh, Lily, Catherine Newton, all doing serviceable jobs, and the rest of the cast, uh, mid to forgettable, depending. Uh, the ants were cool, like the ants. Uh, but that's it. Uh, I, you know, I've been seeing all the Marvel movies in the theater, um, and I do not regret seeing this in the theater. Although I will point out that my theater had it priced a little higher than everything else, and that's bullshit. But we'll talk about that another week. Going to shift gears and talk about a couple of comic series that I've been reading. Uh, first off is Han Solo and Chewbacca. Uh, that is on Marvel. Marvel's doing a pretty good job of having a, a small slate of Star Wars-related comics. They started with a run uh, eponymously titled Star Wars that was taking place between Star Wars A New Hope and uh, Empire Strikes Back. And then now they're in an arc that takes place between Empire Strikes Back and and Return of the Jedi. And I read the first arc. Uh, it was about, you know, f- uh, 50, 50 or 60 some odd issues, 70 some odd issues. And it was very good top to bottom. Lots of great side stories, lots of great development, lots of very unique moments. If you follow comics or Star Wars online at all, you've surely seen the comic panels of Vader learning the name of the young pilot who shot the destroying shot at the Death Star and his reaction upon learning that it was Skywalker. So some of these moments are already uh, quickly being spread around on the internet and are really having an impact. And the comic as a whole has done that. Uh, The unique new characters that it's introduced, like Black Chrysanthemum and Dr. Aphra, have been fun additions to the Star Wars universe. And I've enjoyed just about everything that I've read under the Star Wars banner since Marvel took it over. Uh, And that goes true, that continues to be true more or less for Han Solo and Chewbacca, uh, currently being uh, written by Mark Guggenheim and drawn uh, by uh, someone last name Messina, what is their first name, David Messina, Uh, and it's always got some real pretty cover covers from Phil Noto, who, if you know, uh, Phil Noto does a, has a really unique realistic style that I've always enjoyed, kind of makes everybody look like they're in old photographs. This book is good. It's not great. Uh, It tells uh, a few harmless side stories uh, during uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca's uh, earlier days uh, before getting involved in the rebel fight. Uh, The latest arc in issues 8 and 9 that I just read uh, have to do with uh, meeting a man claiming to be Han's father, who may or may not actually be, does not appear to be, uh, and how him and a small group of smugglers are are constantly thwarting Solo's attempts uh, to get something and keep it out of the hands of Jabba the Hutt. Uh, It's good stuff. It's not great stuff. Uh, I'm glad I'm reading it because there's always a few fun moments and you get to see a lot of Solo's trademark swagger throughout the book. Guggenheim does a good job of writing Solo in the classic Harrison Ford mold uh, or a little bit of Aldrin Aldrin Einrich. Aldrin, I, I don't know what the hell his name is. The kid that played him in Solo, he was pretty good. Uh, But anyway, you're getting a lot of that Han Solo sass, uh, the quips, it's good stuff. And um, that's going to keep me on for a few more issues, but I won't lie to you. This is on the bottom of my pull list right now. And whenever it comes time to start cutting titles, this is going to be one of the first ones to go. One that can't be cut because the run ended forever and ever ago is Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang on Wonder Woman. I've been reading that in trade paperback form. Uh, Those are the New 52 uh, relaunch uh, issues. I've been reading Volume 1, Wonder Woman Volume 1, Blood, again by Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang. And i got to say, a couple issues in, I am enjoying it. This was one of the standouts of the New 52 relaunch back in 2012, so we're talking 11 years ago. And uh, there was a few series when DC said that we are starting from scratch, brand new number ones. Every hero is going back to number one. You're never going to believe what has changed and what's the same, blah, blah, blah. And Wonder Woman uh, was one of the uh, touted runs because of it really getting back 
to her Olympian roots, her uh, mythological roots, and her sense of this war between gods and man. And the first couple issues of this run have definitely uh, touched on that with some great use of the uh, Pantheon of Gods uh, as well as the Warriors of Themyscira. It's a story that has... Uh, magical overtones and a lot of use of the fantastic and I highly recommend it. So uh, the new 52 is hit or miss depending on which books you pick up. Some of it are great, some of it is not but the Wonder Woman by Azarello and Chang is some good stuff. And you know Cliff Chang too, I think I gave uh, I think did I mention Catwoman Lonely City a couple episodes back? That's another one by Cliff Chang you should be keeping an eye out for as well if you want to see more of his work at DC. So that's what I got for you this week, you guys. Thank you so much for listening every week. I appreciate you. Uh, if you see me in public, say hi. If you see me on the internet, uh, say hi as well. And let me know what you want to talk about. See you guys next week.